Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 186 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Carrick, we have a lot of topics, more than most episodes. So, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you're in a nice, comfortable seat, or maybe you're driving somewhere for an extended period of time, because we are about to occupy a lot of your ear holes. So, let's get right into it, starting off with our standard introduction. Um, Carrick, let's talk about what you've been up to lately. What are some future plans for you? Lay it all on us. Uh, Resident Evil review. Um, Hopefully a uh, um, Kingdom Hearts review. I'm going to do some streaming of some of the games that I haven't got a chance to review, but I got their codes. And once you tell them that, like, you won't be able to cover it, they're all, well, keep the code anyway. I hate that shit. So I'm going to start covering it now on the Twitch channel. And the Twitch channel has been really successful for that. So that's pretty much it right now, just concentrating on Resident Evil because... There's a lot going on on the remake. And by the way, if anybody notices and I appear to be disappearing and reappearing, it's because I put a green screen up because I didn't want to fix the fucking house today. I was lazy. <laughs> so I'll look like a little bit corporeal to people watching. <laughs> I apologize. Ah, no problem, man. No problem. Anyway, that's good to know. I personally am looking to review Resident Evil and Kingdom Hearts this month. That's kind of on my platter um i'm making some headway on my secret project a lot faster than i really expected Carrick, you know all about it but um i've told you kind of about it as i've gone along with it but i just want to let people know it's still something i'm consistently chipping away at um i don't have a window right now for when i want to announce everything but uh it's just a lot of things have to start falling into place now but i like i said i've made some headway on a lot of steps for what is pretty much like a three-part plan. Um, So it's going over well, just for those who are curious, and that's kind of been the main bulk of my focus. Other than that, it's been standard videos, uh, looking to get streaming back up and running again. Um, And like I said, a a lot's going to change eventually. So if I'm quite honest, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm, for lack of better words, buying my time, biding, biding my time, Um, just because I know... There's a lot I'm going to be able to do to up the game where I'm just trying to kind of keep consistently doing what I've been doing since, I'd say, September of last year, where I, I focus more on longer form discussions, news. I'm just staying there for now. So that's kind of what I've been up to as of lately. Um, and then last. Well, I wanted to add. Oh, I want, oh go ahead. No, I was just I going to move into the flick a buck part, but hey, if you got more to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I do actually. Um, when it comes to share, so I, I did do some testing on this when it comes to podcasts in particular, when you're sharing this or whatever, like, comment, subscribe, all that. But one of the things that really helps is when you share directly from the YouTube page. If you share by copying the link of the video and you put it in Twitter, it's actually not connected in the same way normal sharing is. So I was just going to say, if you like to share, and sharing matters a lot when it comes to getting more eyes on a video, please share it directly from the YouTube page. If, if you guys want to share the podcast. Yeah. That, that was it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that goes with, with any episode or piece of content you're passionate about. Because I know a lot of people who watch my channel or your channel consistently, Carrick, they always go, man, I love your stuff. I wish I could support the Patreon. And ladies and gentlemen, never feel obliged for that stuff. It does help quite a bit. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. But there are a lot of free ways to support creators without putting a dime out there. Uh, yeah, and one of right. them is, like Carrick said, just sharing that link. It, it does so yeah. much. Leaving a positive comment, putting it on Twitter, that type of stuff. You know, Is it a lot of additional work at times? Yeah, it takes probably 10 minutes out of your day in total if you do 
all that stuff. But it's a free way to support maybe content you're passionate about. And that goes for anybody, not just Carrick and I. So just keep that in mind if you're someone who really loves a certain piece of content and you want it to get out there more. That uh, you don't just always have to open the wallet up. There, there are many other ways to really reward the creator without spending your money. Yeah, anyway, for sure. If you do want to spend your money, then you can head over to mine or Carrick's Patreon and flick a buck. It looked like Carrick just drank out of nothing. Like, just something clicked oh. into the screen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a Mountain Dew. It's, so it's just <laughs> completely... See it. It's like... Mm. <laughs> it's all the invisible man type of shit. I forgot. All my stuff's green, so this that is, is that, that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you would like to, go ahead and flick a buck. Flick a buck. You can get early access to the podcast, Patreon-exclusive content like videos, uh, write-ups. What else do we have going on there? Uh, Discord. Casing, gaming sessions. Yeah, the Discord. Very important. Discord's like the best part of it all, in my opinion. It's just yeah. the, the bee's knees. Anyway, with that long introduction out of the way, let's get into what was the highlight, I think, for a lot of folks' weeks and, and the biggest news that was the Mortal Kombat 11 reveal. So there was a whole big event. Uh, there were invites going out. A lot of press went there. Uh, a lot of influencers went there. They had a whole exhibition tournament with professional fight, uh, fighting game players. Um, and, and we got to see a lot of Mortal Kombat 11. It was revealed initially at the Game Awards, but now we saw a ton of gameplay. There are so many individual matches. We got to look at some characters. And now Carrick and I are just going to kind of give our thoughts on, on what we saw and how we feel about it. I, I've personally expressed that in the past, when it came to NetherRealm Fighters, I liked Injustice 2. I've always struggled competitively online with Mortal Kombat, or uh, not Mortal Kombat, sorry, but with NetherRealm Fighters in general. But I know, Carrick, you've leaned more towards the side of loving them, especially Injustice 2. I personally, my favorite NetherRealm game, I think like a lot of people, was MK9, which I will... which. We'll get into a little bit later, but um, I saw a lot of that, in a sense, in MK11. But, Carrick, let's start off with your thoughts. Did did you get a chance to sit down and watch some of the MK reveal? I did, and I told Grim, who's in your, well, in both of our discords, that I finally got to test my UPSs for the computer, too, because my power went out. Prior, uh-huh. So I was streaming in the dark. You could see me. It looked like a ghost streaming a game. <laughs> I was just like, it looked like the Blair Witch Project, just the worst version. Um, I did get to watch most of it and then had to return back and watch it um, recorded later. I will say this. My favorite is probably like Armageddon. I'm old style. Like, like uh, I like the old Mortal Kombat with the three. I also like the three mini games because it got me to do something else. Like right. whether it was like Puzzle Fighter or fucking something or create a character I liked. It, they certainly took Injustice that. 2's additions and put them in here with the loot system and, you know, mm-hmm. customizations and stuff in this one. And sort of a multi-universe kind of thought process here, which I think is, you have to. We talked about this. Once you did Injustice 2, you can't just go, here's Mortal Kombat, and it's the same shit. Um, yeah. The only thing I did worry about when I saw it is it felt like it was ripe for microtransaction fighters. Like, just... It seemed like more than normal for some reason. I, when I was looking at the roster, and I could be wrong on that, but when I, it got me a little nervous when I saw it. I was like, oh, shit. Because especially when they started, they only they showed all these blank sections and like two fighters or something. Mm-hmm. You're like, "Am I? is this going to be like 10 bucks and then you have to buy every fighter, you know, Are you talking separately? about like, the characters that were yet to be unlocked or revealed? Yeah, I was just a little confused on how they would get on. You know, are they going to be like viable? Is there going to be a ton of microtransactions in it? Which I hope not. I right. think Injustice handled it fairly well. Um, 
I thought overall what I saw looked good, but I'm exactly where I was with Mortal Kombat X, which is where I I I, I thought it looked enjoyable, but I'm right at 50%. Like 50% being excited, 50% not really caring, and I'm going to probably wait for the game. Or more videos, you know, mm-hmm. when they show more stuff. Yeah. It was gruesome, though. Oh, oh God, yeah. It was I, more gruesome. <laughs> yeah. It was. Absolutely. As for the... Uh, we'll start off with your first point about uh, the, the roster. Um, I get where you're coming from. But I've noticed with fighting games now, most notably Smash Brothers... But there's also Jump Force, which is coming out just next month, uh, a little bit under a month now. Um, And that roster is really big. And I've noticed that a lot of fighting games are starting to trend more towards character variation and a bigger roster because it just keeps the player going, which, yeah, I'm sorry, but it's obvious, right? Like, I'm not going to act like it's easy to do, but it's obvious. The more you give the player to mess around with, it's like Smash Brothers. I think I got 70... 78 hours in that game at this point in time i love it to death and it's because every time i hop on yeah i have a main character i can go to that i'd say i'm pretty competent with and can compete with but it's just clicking the random button and playing three hours of matches and just knowing that there is such a wide amount of characters that that are going to be selected from it keeps it constantly interesting because not one character i don't want to say not one character in that sense plays the same because all the fire emblem characters kind of have similar combos. Um, but I think you're going to see that with Jump Force again, uh, a game that's very pleasing to to fans because there are just so many characters from each manga slash anime series out there. Uh, and so maybe Mortal Kombat, because there there's always the issue of like, uni- you know, character deaths and, uh, and whatnot. And now they're doing this multi-universe thing, like you said, where uh, I think this is their chance to really beef up the roster and, and pull yeah. from everything and, and make a, a really big roster that, that can do kind of what a lot of other fighting games are doing, like I said recently, and making constant fighting ex- exciting. It's not just like, all right, I've played two hours of Mortal Kombat, let's move on. As for the gore, uh, what, did, what did you think about some of those fatalities? What was your favorite one? I... I don't know if I have a favorite one. Um, I would just say that because I've never been, I mean, I'm a fatality fan, but they went so overboard years ago that now they sort of, you know, it's like once you see, like if you're an EMT, if you see dead bodies after a while, you probably don't, doesn't impress you as much. This one, it wasn't necessarily the fatalities themselves. It was just, it seemed like it was more gory all over. Like every, I don't know if it was more blood bits and parts, but it just it felt way more gory, and I'm not 100% sure that speaks to me. Um, it, it may. It depends on how it plays out. Um, but it, I, that was all I noticed. And I saw t- on Twitter, I said, what did people think? And it was like that was the first thing everyone said was like, did they, did they somehow crank up the gore? Like, And gore was the word used. So I'm going to have to go back and watch it and figure out why that word, that verbiage in particular is being used. Yeah, but, it was almost um, sadistically creative, which I personally like in in right. my entertainment. Uh, not to sound too twisted, but for example, Scarlet, her uh, crushing blow. I, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know all the, the terminology for this game yet. I, I watched some gameplay while I was on my ride home from my flight from Florida and then um, read up online before this show. So if any terminology is off, that, that's why. But there was like this crushing blow move, kind of like the X-rays from previous mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat games. And she literally stabs you with a knife. And then when she pulls out the knife, you see blood pour out and she 
takes this blood and turns it into a scythe and then like spins around and stabs you with it. It's very it's very dark. It's it's incredibly brutal. It's almost stunningly creative when you think about how someone had to pitch that idea and then they had to actually put it into effect and someone made that, right? It it's yeah. it's kind of dark. Yeah, when you think about that being someone's job. Um, and I guess as you get to know game development more, that, that kind of is what becomes a little unsettling about it. You know, that there's like a process into making that become a thing or Sonya Blade laying on her back, shooting someone up so far into the sky that they hit a helicopter blade and they're, it's like they just got tossed into the garbage disposal unit and they're just... Pfft, yeah, mush. jetted out. Yeah, like that's all there was. That's that, that's it, they're dead. Uh, yeah, I I liked it personally. I think that's what Mortal Kombat's about. I'm happy to see they didn't shy away from it, right? Because, you know, we've talked about games yeah, true. shying away from their identity and all that stuff. And it's good that Mortal Kombat didn't soften up. Because if I'm honest, not that any Mortal Kombat game is ever PG, but I was really disappointed with MK10 out of any NetherRealm game that's really come out in these uh, last few years. Like I said, I, I loved in not loved, I liked Injustice 1. I enjoyed Injustice 2 quite a bit. MK9, my favorite NetherRealm game. But 10, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but there was, I think it was just, it was a very fast-paced fighter, and I think that Netherrealm fighters play best when they're more strategic and in right. your face, uh, more close-range combat, like, for example, MK9, uh, and that may be just personal preference on my end, but that's kind of where I, I sit on it, which I was reading an interview from Game Informer with Ed Boon, and they were actually talking about how... They wanted to make a big focus with MK9 to be less on projectiles and more on getting the players to not just like jump in and attack all out like MK10 and and try to do mix up combos, but actually strategically approach one another and, and it to be a more close range battle. Which, uh, as someone who you, Carrick, how many times have I bitched about getting shot with projectiles? Yeah, yeah. I, I it was music to my ears. But didn't you also didn't you also think that they know that because they stated the weird shit about lower mid and upper like gauges, like it seemed like they were taking into account some kind of anti spam. Yeah, I don't know. Right, because it seems to about all the meters, right? Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, I said gauges. Yeah, all the no, meters. I, I they, just make they, sure. It's it seems like what you and I talked about a while ago because we talked about this where I was saying, oh, they should have a meter that burns and you can only throw so many projectiles, then you have to combo up to get more or something like that. But it seems like they must they went a different route. Right. But I don't think they've ignored your complaints because your complaints obviously aren't just yours. There are a lot of people's. It seems like that is there in some way to sort of because you know for example, one person's projectile maybe is always a mid projectile, right? And maybe in the past they spammed it, but here it seems like maybe there might be a way to go, okay, fine, spam it, because then I have mm -hmm. this. I don't know if I'm right on that. It just yes. seems like that's uh, how it was built. I think so, because when I was reading the interview with Ed Boon, same one from Game Informer, I had seen all the meters on screen. It wasn't anything overwhelming, by the way, for those who haven't seen the gameplay yet. It wasn't anything like, whoa, why are there 50,000 meters? Um, right. I just had noticed like a difference in the, in the HUD. And uh, I, I obviously didn't know enough about the game at the time to really put together what was happening. But it turns out that one is for offensive stuff because what they wanted to eliminate was having one meter that determined all these extra moves were uh, in Injustice 2. You could do 
you could you spend some meter to like roll out of the corner and have like invincibility while rolling out. So if someone's like constantly shooting you, you can have that invincibility dodge roll at them to get right to them without them hitting you at all, which is always good. But now what they're doing in MK11 is you have a defensive meter, you have an offensive meter. So let's say I wanted to spend some of that offensive meter to right. do what we we've seen in Injustice or any Netherrealm fighter really, where you you have uh, your your tilt forward or not tilt forward, geez, too much smash. Uh, your quarter circle forward B does one thing, but if you press RT while doing it, that that burns the meter and does like a higher powered version of that move. So that'll burn some of your offensive meter, but let's say you want to dodge roll, like I said that that'll burn some of the defensive meter and then And I didn't think... he Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say the, the no, you're good. The, the last one, I believe, like I said, I, I'm unsure, but uh, I think it was the um crushing blow one which is attached to your health bar, which when it gets to a certain point, I think you press like two two trigger buttons on your controller and it activates and and in a lot of the battles that was a game changing game changer yeah, yeah because what would happen is in a lot of previous not a lot but in previous mk games you could combo into that x-ray move and if you did it didn't do as much damage but what i noticed with this game is when these competitive players did combo into it they do like a five hit combo and then land this killing blow move it, it would do insane extra damage which i liked personally i'm usually not a fan of give them the powerful move to get them back in the game but I liked that you could combo into it because I think it rewards a player who's skilled. And it allows for uh, a very close match because what I noticed is the health bars have numbers attached to them. So Sonic Fox at one point had won a match when he was at point or 0.21 health. I thought that was really cool to see, especially when there's like a, a move attached to that part of the bar. It kind of puts a little extra tension on the match. Yeah, and hopefully it won't turn into the thing that I know you disliked or weren't in love with with the new Tekken, uh, or sorry, the new Soul, uh, Soul Calibur, mm. which was the Clash. Hopefully, it won't yeah. be one of those one of those kind of things. I couldn't tell too much about how um, it was a. Uh, it felt like a game changer to me, but I couldn't tell if people would force themselves to it, and that would be the strategy because that'll happen too. Like in a game where you know at half your health, you're going to get some magic extra power, you know, to keep to keep you in the game. Right. Like some people will personally will, will or sorry, purposely force themselves into that because they know that they which is cool as long as it's not so overpowered. So there's there's some things there that I'm wondering about. I did like the fact that they said 3 frames is how many frames you need for a perfect block. Wow. And yeah, which is that's pretty small for people. I think for a lot of people that's probably We'll see how the animation goes. I, I think for some people that's pretty small. Um, but when it's done, they said something about it'll when that carries on into all combos. So the perfect block doesn't just do extra damage on the first hit. From what I understand, if you do a perfect block, it that in from what I was reading because this was a written interview that I read later. Same. It was like it was like you do this perfect block and then the extra whatever meter that you get as well as damage continues into the combo. They said something like it continues into the combo, which, I again, I would have to see it and sit down and sort of identify exactly what they meant by that. But it does feel like um, there'll be a little bit there for casuals and there'll be a little bit there for the hardcore, which, as long as they skirt that line and don't fucking you know, make it like too easy or too hard. I know a lot of people had issues with Dragon Ball Z's auto auto combos even though i didn't because you could if you knew what you were doing an auto combo you wasn't you'd be powerful. able to break out of it 
yeah, it wasn't as powerful. You would be able to figure a way around it. So, right. Yeah, yeah, it looked cool. I mean, I, I would say, I'm going to be honest, man. I was hoping, <laughs> I'm probably the only person who, I was hoping for it to go 3D, like Soul Calibur. I really was. It, yeah, it, that's I, I had goal. a feeling that they would, but what they did was complete the sorry, I can't opposite. speak right now. It was the opposite. Not only that, but did you notice that it felt like the camera was zoomed in more than previous yes. NetherRealm fighters? Yes, yes. And that was I did. That was what I screamed to me most about MK9 because MK9 was very like almost four by three, like it was a it was right. a very tight point of view, uh, and this one seemed. Even when the, the fighters were on opposite ends of the arena, there was this perspective on the camera that still felt like it was a close shot, which I like because I think that caters more to what Ed Boon was saying about we want it to be more close-range combat. Uh, and I think MK is at its best when they're doing that stuff. Like I said, that is my personal preference. People know I can't stand projectiles. Um, it works in certain fighters. Like I think Smash Brothers projectiles are, are handled the best in any fighting game when it comes to that title because... Uh, most of them are easy to dodge or just do a little chip damage. They don't interrupt combos. Right. Um, and you can't just win a fight solely off of them. You still have to get in there and hit someone off the stage. Whereas with health bars, I think projectiles can become a little more frustrating. So I like the approach right now to MK11. Um, one thing that did kind of, I don't want to say disappointed me, but I saw in a competitive match someone was using Scorpion. And it was the same, you know, teleport behind the guy combo, right. pull him in with the chain, destroy him. And I had wondered constantly, Ed Boon has this this love with Sub-Zero and Scorpion, right? Like, he always makes them good, I think. Was that was that a thing at some point? He no, I think it's for sure. I think it's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that, if that's true, because I don't want to, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Because I, I, I remember seeing this multiple times, but... If that's true, I think that's kind of it disrupts a part of the game because it makes it's almost like the favorite child. You have Sub Zero and Scorpion, yeah. who you know so much love and care. They made them filthy. They're gonna kick ass no matter what. And it's like everyone underneath them is 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 like fodder. It gives that feeling. Right. Is that true? No, but it gives that feeling to the roster where I instantly saw Scorpion slaughtering people with the same combos. I was like, all right, here we go again. Um, and yeah, I would, I, I would I'd... love to see that switch turned off and just have every character approach it. Uh, uh, Sonya Blade was a part of the reveal, and they kind of did give her the, a special treatment because Ronda Rousey's going to be voicing her. But, like, give these these characters the same treatment that you would a Sub-Zero or a Scorpion. I know they're the face of the franchise, and they do have to be cool, and they do have to be out there in the promo. They're recognizable. I get the marketing aspect. I don't argue that. But I would love for them to really take into consideration that where each character is treated as importantly at least outwardly, maybe in studio when they're developing these characters, more effort went into making Sonya Blade than Scorpion because they made Scorpion a million times and they're reworking Sonya's variations or something. I don't know. But I would just love to see more of that because, like I said, it gives this feeling to the roster. Anyone I pick who's not Scorpion or Sub-Zero probably isn't optimal to to win if I were to go play competitively, for example. Just my perspective. Yeah, I... Nah, it's mine too. I would, I, I would love to see, in fact... Like I've constantly joked about it in in like the discords and stuff, and been like, I would just love a scorpion list and a sub zero list, mm. you know. I'd always Mortal yeah. Kombat game. I want to see the side character. You can't you you can't have it both ways and say we're going to introduce all these amazing characters, but here's Scorpion and Sub Zero, and you're like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Um, right. 
I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to argue and be like, you can win with anybody, or there's this one character, like there's Jax who can do this or whatever, and I get that. But it does feel like there's a little bit of a masturbatory, you know, <laughs> love towards Scorpion and Sub-Zero that I would love to see rubbed off a bit on other people because they've had some amazing and really interesting fighters in the past that I felt once you really played them, you're like, this guy isn't as amazing as... They sort of maybe he looks amazing, but his move set isn't the best, or what have you. Yeah. And I, I, also, I would I would love to see somebody have a defense. I was just going to say I would love to see somebody have a, a defense for like a lot of the tried and true moves, mm-hmm. or at least I would have loved to, them to have shown it. Like, wouldn't it have been cool if in the battle Scorpion did do that, and then the next time he tried some new move that everybody has completely defeated that? Like, I, that would be awesome. To have everybody go, what the fuck? Like, right. you know that it changes everything. Right. But and I think part of it's it's more so that I'm sure Scorpion and Sub Zero, when it comes to actual tiers, are probably just well rounded characters, and and they do yeah a probably a little bit of everything. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know the competitive scene for the game. I guess it's just that for those trying to get into the game, those who are more, I'd say, beginner to intermediate. I'd say I class in fighters because I play them a lot. I class it a little bit above intermediate, but I just look at it from the perspective. It's hard to get into games where, you know, because it's an, it's an endless loop. New player comes in, new player finds character that they think looks cool. They test them out in the training mode. All right, let's take him online or her online. They go online, maybe find some success, some failure, back to the training lab, back into online. And then they meet like that character, like a Sub-Zero or a Scorpion, that beats them into a bloody pulp and there's no hope whatsoever. And then the the chain continues where they say, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that character. Cause all of us have been there. If you've ever played a fighter, there's chances a high chance you have gotten your ass beat by some character so badly you have wanted to play as that character. As if the performance on you was was inspirational enough to make you drop who you were playing as for that character. And that's what happens with OP characters. It's just a chain. Uh in in Dragon Ball Fighters, Goku Black just more and more and more and more as time went on in that game. You just constantly see more and more Gokus because they are they were just the best in the game. They were dis- disgustingly good. It just happens um, with these OP characters. I also think, I don't know if this does this, so this is, I'm, this is just my hope, but mm-hmm. um, ancient games like Unreal Tournament had the ability to adjust the AI to be more jumpy, more projectile heavy, Uh, more sniper heavy, what have you. I would love for the training modes in these fighter games to say, you know, do you want a guy who's not doing anything so you can practice moves? Do you want a guy who just gets up? We've all the stuff you normally see, but I would love to see it be like archetype for your AI uh, projectile, heavy player archetype for your AI, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a special move player archetype for your AI, you know, burn meter player. And so that way you could try to see because AI rarely mimics a real player. It just rarely does. Mm-hmm. And even if it's on its hardest, it's more clinical hardness where it knows your moves because it's the computer, yeah. right? So it's going to know. But what if you get a projectile heavy but not good at blocking co- opponent? I would love to have far more ability inside of testing any of the you know dojo level, whatever they're going to call it, to be able to f- minutely change those things so that I can adjust. Because let's say I'm playing you. And and we I've had this with friends. Somebody be Cage Maru in Virtual Fighter, and somebody else would be him. I knew exactly what to do against the person I played with all the time. But the new person, things were their their timing was different. You know, 
you knew what moves would probably come, but there was an adjustment. Right. I would like to be able to really go in there and say and adjust a couple things so I could face off against. For example, there's expert players who forget basic moves. You've even heard expert players talk about it. Once you get really good, you'll forget the basic. Like, yeah. And that's why sometimes a basic person will do well, at least for a starting, and people will be surprised. They'll be like, whoa, he pulled off this shit move against this guy. You know why? Because the guy had been practicing all these other crazy things, didn't expect the fucking person who doesn't know how to play the game to smash two buttons together that that don't make any sense. Right. I want to be able to replicate gotcha. replicate that. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I, I think um, that training could go a lot further in fighting games. We're seeing a focus on awesome. more solo content in these fighting games, and it's excellent because Very, it's, I feel yeah. like it's almost a matter of time. You know, Jump Force, for example, we're seeing like you, you can create your own character. There's a huge roster. There's going to be this whole story mode. That's awesome. And then you see, like I said, Smash Brothers. I won't go on another tirade about it, but it, it has a gigantic roster. So much fun. We're seeing variations. I think a similar multiverse customization from Injustice coming to MK11, right? Yeah. And so, yep. you know, there's this focus on single-player content. And I've seen good training modes before that really teach you the ropes. I think Smash's highest difficulty CPU is good enough to get help you get better at the game to a certain point. Um, because I'm not... There's just something with my brain in Smash Brothers where I'm just not uh very i don't i'm not very good at it if just to put it bluntly um whereas other fighters like dragon ball fighters i'd say i'm genuinely good at um and and so training in smash on that nine difficulty actually i i because i was away on vacation so at night when my girlfriend and i were just chilling in our airbnb we'd either be watching tv or she'd go to bed and i'd just go on my switch and, and i'd play on this nine difficulty smash cpu and I came home last night, and my friends and I played Smash Online together, and I took a good amount of the matches. Like, it's just, there is a way to get better. Yes, the CPU at times yeah. did just read my moves because they knew what my input was on the dot, so they, they just lined it up perfectly. And, and if you're aware enough to see that and just go, okay, like, if I'm playing someone online, there's, there's probably a 2% chance that actually happens. Um, it can be very helpful. A good training mode was in, a, uh, I think, is it Blade Blue or Blast Blue? I'm going to go Blast Blue. Uh, not cross tag battle. Um, oh my god, I can't remember the name right now. It was the most recent Blaze Blue that came out in uh, Blaze Blue that came out in 2015. But that had a really extensive tutorial, a lot of text windows, but it really taught you every fundamental of the game. So more thorough, uh, interactive training bots, I think, could do a lot. Like you said, setting up archetypes and fighting against a certain type because sure you can pick a character that you're struggling against like Jax, and, and put on the specific variation and put them on the hardest difficulty and say all right i'm gonna i'm gonna figure this character out and it'll help to an extent but nothing's more helpful than just being sitting in that training arena there's no worry about your life uh and just watching like a move repeat over and over and over until you get just like everything frame by frame like okay he hops one two shot and he can only do it after he's at a certain point You'd think it'd just be a minor thing, but it makes the biggest difference. Really well, let me give you an example. Um, Forza Horizon takes your uh, drive avatar. Right. So your friends. And I've seen this mimicked because I'm very bad at a particular turn type in street racing games. Very bad. It, like, I have to practice it before I do anything else. Otherwise, I won't get first. I'll get, like, 12th every time until, like, if it's got this particular type of turn. Right on. And 
one day somebody who follows the channel who is an expert Forza a Forza driver contacted me and was like, "I want to. Can I be friends with you on Xbox?" And I accepted him and didn't think that his drivatar would be imported. Mm. So I go in there, and I'm like, and I'm used to my friends' drivatars plus anybody else, you know, that it sucks in. And I'm playing, and this guy, I mean, it was ace. It was like, what the whoa, and <laughs> what the fuck's happening? So what I would love is for it to go and grab Maddie's Scorpion data. How does Maddie play? And take it and say, uh, I mean, can choose a friend. Does your friend have Mortal Kombat Atar, you know, fucking stats? And if they do, say, boom, I want Maddie in here. Because I personally feel all that does is increase the replayability of the title. Then the dojo mode is a playable mode, you know, in some way. You're right. I, I, I told you I cheated. Well, I don't, I call it cheating. It's not cheating at all. But where I played Injustice 2's battle mode on four times its speed and watched it for five or six hours because I knew that if I was so accustomed to it going so fast, when I went back into the game, it was, mm, it felt slow. Smart man. So there, those kind of things are awesome. I love those. And I would love for it to start sucking in data from the, I mean, imagine being able to go, I want to go and download the number one player's AI. So right. you would go to Mortal Kombat's database and go, and you find, I can't remember the guy you said, Sonic Fox, if he's good, I don't know if he's good at that game, he's, but if he's yeah, good, he's <laughs> go boom! I'm gonna grab that guy's AI, and mm. and and you know your archetype is you know jumpy projectile defenses, uh, Sonic, and you get to click him, and you have to and you get to practice against. I like that him. idea a lot. I love it'd be fucking it'd be phenomenal, and all fighting games should have that. I totally agree. That's a, that's a excellent idea because what really hit the nail on the head is it went from just a training mode, like okay, I'll get into this later. To like that could be the first thing you hop into now. Oh fuck yeah, man! Training against people, seeing Ed Boon. I mean, it would be amazing to be like fighting against how Ed Boon fights. Right. I don't know if he's good. He probably isn't. But it would be still <laughs> cool to say I kicked the shit out of Ed Boon's. You know, whatever it's going to be called. That'd, be, that'd be actually really cool. That's a that's a really freaking good idea. I hope they do that. I really do. Yeah, I, I hope I, would... I hope they or somebody does. That's yeah, because even. For for to add on to that, as the game evolves, you know, I mean, all of us, I think, at some point, have played a fighter a bunch at launch. You and I, okay, got to review something else. You drop it. Hey, I really like the Mortal Kombat game. I'm gonna go back to it. And you come back. There's been some patches, some character tweaks, a DLC for new characters. A lot has changed, and you hop in online. Yeah. It's just not the same. How useful right. will that be there in that situation too? When you come back. Yep. And you could do you want to update Sonic Fox's, you know, char- mm-hmm. you know, Mortal Kombat Atar? And you're like, yes, I do. And now he plays different, different character, maybe. Yeah. Oh man, pay us. <laughs> we're gonna. Yeah. Gonna have a great idea. I, here. I, I think the drive Atar system in in Forza, though not perfect, is is something so ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. It is technically like the AI you hear people talking about for everything else. I really do wish more companies would do that. I agree. I mean, the pawns, Dragon's Dogma. When when I would import a pawn right. from like one of my friends, it played like my friend played. Like it did the things I expected this dumbass to do. You know, like one of my friends, I knew how he played. And the moment I jumped in with his pawn, I'm like, "Yep, that's him. That's yeah. exactly what he would do." In this, I love that. That's so funny. All right, that's the Mortal Kombat reveal. Next on the list, we got. Oh, I gotta ask you. Oh, go for it. I apologize. No, what did you think of the sta- What did you think of the stages shown? And did I miss it because I did not see any stagealities? I did not either. Okay. 
I did not either. Okay. What'd you What'd you think of the stages that you saw overall? I thought they were sort of bland. Yeah, I was gonna say that nothing popped out to me. I saw like a standard desert market one. I think it was a market tomb or yeah. I saw like a dark catacomb. Yeah, uh, with like tortured things in the back. It it didn't really spark any whoa. Okay. Um, Now, what I do kind of hold back my opinion on that for is because sometimes what adds to it is when you play the story and you get the context of that environment. That's why stages are cool. That's why Jump Force would be cool. That's why Smash is cool because you're fighting on old and new stages, all that stuff. So that's why I kind of hold my tongue on that. Also, I'm not the biggest MK expert in the terms of its history. I've played a lot of MK growing up and you know is it like my most fond memories no but uh you know it wasn't like i saw anything it was like that's that one from mk3 back in whatever like so that's also why i hold my tongue on that stuff until i i actually know more about did it. you see any particle effects um so the last mortal Kombat, you would hit the tr- snowy tree and snow would fall down mm-hmm. i didn't see any levels with rain um, now this might be a technical thing where they can't do p- particles, right. but I didn't, um, or I missed it, which, like I said, I lost half of the video. Uh, was there any uh, rain levels, snow levels? I... Remember the big waves in the last Mortal Kombat, um, the uh, the pier and the mm-hmm. huge waves in the background. Right. Was there anything? Was there anything like that? I didn't see any. Okay, I did not. see Well, they're any. probably holding it back. Right? Yeah, like I, I personally. I think there would be a rain level because I'm pretty sure in the initial reveal trailer for this game, wasn't it raining in that part? Okay, I don't remember, but yeah, I don't. I didn't. I don't think I saw any weather. I'd love to see different times, um, like we saw some in Injustice, mm-hmm. daytime sunset. I would love to see some variations. I think stages are neglected, oh, um, God, yeah. big time. Big They're neglected time. in DLC, other than. Other than your favorite Smash and a couple others, mm-hmm. we never see DLC being downloaded as stages. I would I don't adore think... to see a number of stages. I can't, I can't think of any other. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters did some a stage as DLC. Yeah, not enough. I to would like it. to see many more. Like they've done eight characters, I think, at this point for DLC and one or maybe two stages. That's yeah. I don't get it either. Um, yeah, because look at Injustice Two, for example. You grab the fucking hog. In the swamp, in poison ivies or whatever the th- I can't remember what creature. Oh, you grab an alligator. Oh yeah, and you swing the alligator. If if you had suddenly a new level, and so new people are being in, you know, so you've got all these levels you're accustomed to, and you're like, oh, I'm going to download the fucking spaceship level, mm-hmm. and suddenly, you know, there's new there's new things to worry about, new terror. I just think that that's so far beyond what anybody. It, we just don't see it very much. It's usually yeah. like, here's another ninja, and you're like, all right. You know, mm-hmm. here here's this character using a special weapon that we knew you guys wanted. Okay, great. But if you had some pretty crazy environmental stuff, which Injustice 2 did with the multi-dimensions, the, right. the fiery worlds, I'd love to see that in Mortal Kombat. And I'm hoping that's what we see in the multi-dimensional stuff. Yeah, I agree. Time shall tell. The game doesn't come out uh, until April, yeah. so we don't got to wait too long. We'll have our answers very, very soon. earlier than I thought it was going to be, yeah. to be honest. Very soon. Next on the list is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So AC Odyssey has had some DLC drop, and there's been a controversy surrounding it. This is for the legacy of the first Blade. Pretty much the gist of this story is that this game, a lot of people loved uh, because it it really had open uh, choice, the way you uh, tackle the world, the way you approach the story, and 
crafted your version of Cassandra or Alexios. Um, and now the DLC has come out. And in this latest episode, Ubisoft has had to um, put out an apology, pretty much, saying that they got it wrong. Because what happened was that it contradicted everything that the first part, not the first part, but the game itself set out to do. Um, pretty much, we have Cassandra or Alexios who was forced into a relationship. It's not like you can say yes or no. You are put in this relationship for story reasons, which we will not spoil. There are not going to be any spoilers for the DLC for those who do want to play it. But pretty much the, the the gripe that fans had was that we have this game in its base version that presents limitless choice and lots of dialogue options. And in this one, you are put in a relationship whether you like it or not, which contradicts one of the kind of running jokes, but also themes of this game, which was like banging whoever you wanted. And all of a sudden the DLC comes out and, and you don't have a choice that you're, you're going to pretty much marry this person or whatever, um, which I thought was pretty mind-boggling um ubisoft pretty much said that they, they they had a reason for it story-wise but understand that they really did screw up and i think and and the message was from the director too which to me says a lot more than if it was just like a pr statement because when the director gets involved i feel like that's a actually owning the mistake um because that is someone who really you know they shaped the project they they put their heart into it and if that is the case, uh, well, not if that is the case, but since that is the case, I, I feel like they genuinely just misinterpreted where this game should go after it finally come out. But what, what do you feel about this controversy? Yeah, they, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. It was stupid. It was stupid. Somebody in the development room, we always talk about, like, oh, man, I wish I was there because I would have slapped somebody the moment they said, we're going to change and remove your choice. I would have been like, the fuck? It didn't need to be covered in this game. It didn't need to be covered in the DLC at all. And yeah. they did that, and then they, 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 their idea made perfect sense. They wanted to tell the story about, you know, the, the bloodline. Right. Um, which I get. I truly get. And no matter how much scissoring two women are going to do, you're not going to have a baby pop out. So you do have to figure out how to get a man and a woman to have a kid. And they forced it. And that, that was a, it was a big mistake. Like, it, but it was a big mistake. That's another thing. It's not like they woke up and said, let's fucking piss everybody off. <laughs> like, I got an idea. They made a mistake. It was sort of clueless. Um, and to me, that's about it. Like, when he said, oh, yeah, we missed, we, we made a mistake. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, yeah. I just don't get that invested in that kind of stuff. They made a mistake. That kind of shit happens. And hopefully, I think Ubisoft is one of the few companies I can say that I fully feel that they listen and they pay mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel that next time this comes around, Ubisoft will go. That'll sort of put us in a put us in a bind. Or they do the other thing I suggested on my podcast, which was they choose a canon and non-canon ending. And the non-canon ending would be that you don't have an heir, right? And you just and you say the canon ending is that you do have an heir, and you just move on from there. You could do either one; it would be fine. It's just they they wrote themselves into a corner on that one. Like, yeah, precisely. Somebody somebody there had to have been like. Um, I've only been, I'm a chick and I've only been fucking other chicks. Like, how's this going to work exactly? Uh, I wish somebody had done that. Yeah. Do you think this is easier to digest for fans because the base game was so good that, you know, when the DLC comes out, it's a flop. It's not as bad as uh, a situation, we'll say with Unity, where, where that game came out and there was a lot of technical issues with it. And so people were very, very upset about it and then yeah. if that dlc came out and it was also bad that's like oh, here we go again whereas 
with Odyssey, we have a great game that a lot of people enjoyed. It made it into a bunch of categories on the Game Awards. But the DLC just fell short because of not technical issues, but just bad design choices in, in a sense. Um, and, I, and I would go so far, Matty, as to say one bad de- design choice because the other yeah. parts of the DLC are great. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Like, but, you know, is a, good, is a book good if its ending sucks? That is a, that's a fair question. So I think it's fair people get upset by it. Mm-hmm. But I think overall... They pro- I, dude, I, I think they just thought they had an idea and they thought it was good. And that happens. How many times have we put a video up and we're like, this is a good idea. And we, maybe we tell 10 people. Maybe you tell me and I tell you and I, I think it's a good idea. And you do it and you're like, that wasn't a good idea. Mm-hmm. It, it shit happens. Um, I do think that maybe because it went so well, that's why some people are like, oh. But um, I also think it's because it's not necessarily a huge issue. Like, it is, but it isn't. I mean, I get why people are upset. They made a mistake, but in the, in the long run, it doesn't change my experience with the game. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, like, magically ruin the fucking how many hours Odyssey took that I really loved. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it'll, it'll damage the, the product image. In fact, I hadn't heard anyone really talking about Legacy of the Blade until this conversation yeah, I mean, started either. to pop up. It's a very was, good I point. Was strange, whereas Origins had uh it seems like a lot of buzz around like the discovery mode and then the um what was it anubis dlc i felt like there was a lot of attention dragged to that where this one almost quietly released you think they knew yeah. maybe they were like oh, we, we kind of no because their their last dlc they did was good and I I, I I i no i don't think they feel that way i i do think that origins was not only a different game than any prior title. So it was easier to be excited about the DLC. This is now the second version of this kind of open world game. And Odyssey right. so long, I don't think a lot of people even... I mean, Got dude, I'm... <laughs> bro, come on. How, what is it, like 2% of people fin- get a platinum on their games or something? like? It's so, it's so low. Platinum that I, I, salute, I tip my cap to you, OBJ. He, he did it. And oh. I, oh, God, I don't know how. Yeah, he's my god, because I don't know how. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think some people also didn't even get to the DLC yet. Um... Maybe they're waiting for an all-in-one package that will assuredly come out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that you're right. I didn't hear much about it until this came up. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, a, it's certainly a valid discussion topic. Oh, absolutely. You kind of caught my interest on the discussion of, like, is a, a book still good if the ending is bad? And it really fits the theme of our discussion here well, where we could really get into that for, for a little bit because I get – for me, the ending means a lot more than I think for most gamers because it's not for me. It's almost like the cherry on top, and, and the same could be said for DLC, right? Um, I know, for example, Spider Man. Spider Man came out; it was really adored by fans, and then uh, the City that Never Sleeps, the first part came out, and people were like, oh, "More of the same. It's good, but it's really short." Uh, and to me, that doesn't sour my my view on the product, but. I would be lying if I said there wasn't a little bit of tainting going on, right? Like, if I if I wasn't, like, a little... I still think Spider-Man is one of the best superhero games ever made. And I still think it is my favorite Spider-Man game of all time. Hands down. Bar none. That doesn't change. But do you ever get that with, with a, a product where some DLC comes out, it's not as good, and suddenly that game that I'm in love with, I don't really want to go pick up um, DLC-wise? I'd rather just go yeah. and play the base game again. An entire series. Mass Effect. Oh, yeah. Mass Effect was my favorite series of all time, and now I can't play it. 
I played I played through Mass Effect one and two so many times I don't even it would be it would be embarrassing to mention the number. Mm. And once I played three and got to the ending of three, I re- I put it down and I remember thinking, mm. I'm not going to return to it at all. I think the difference is is that where Odyssey is about choice, this was one smaller you know situation right than than Mass Effect's ending. Yeah, but much um, I, that, that's why I always say I get where it's a valid discussion point because if somebody does feel it's as big as I did with Mass Effect Three, I understand their their righteous their righteous anger or or unrighteous anger, whatever type. But I do understand it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. personally feel it as as in depth as they do, but I do get it. Um, I also think that this was the problem with DLC that's happened lately. DLC that injects itself partway into a story, especially DLC of games that have their own sequels already made, which these all do, runs into this risk all the time. Making a choice that is not considered canon by the fan base or making a choice that doesn't make sense. So I think we will see this. You could see it with Witcher. If Witcher did a prequel to Witcher 3, there would be something in there that would piss people off. They'd be like, well, why? You know? So... I get it. I get it both sides. I, and I, I side Sorry. with the people who think there's no issue, and I side with the people who think there's for sure an issue. It's just, right. for some people, this will bother them. Because the thing with Assassin's Creed is, um, and the reason I really resurrected this, that, that topic that you brought up, is because when you look at like what happened with AC3 and, and onwards, a lot of fans were very like, ugh, Assassin's Creed, you know, but when it came to the real yeah. uh, animus storyline. And, and since then, even with Odyssey, it's just like... Who cares? Just throw it out the window. Like, you can tell the developers feel that way because I think you exit the Animus... Tw- I think I exited twice that yeah, whole game. And, and I think that's all. it just never happens because it's unimportant. And so the Bloodline stuff, it's like... I know this doesn't tie to the Animus, but how... It's more interesting when Assassin's Creed focuses on its self-contained stories within each entry and builds off of those... Um, so I know that's part of the vision with this DLC, but I think there were a lot of other ways they could have gone with it uh, instead of taking that route that you just brought up about, you know, there's there's the sequel of the story already there. It's already in existence, and they're trying to fill in that gap. I always think that's a really dangerous line to walk for developers, trying to always, you know, f- find the, the little hole in the lore and be like, this is, this is where we slot in because it's just a puzzle piece that never fits properly every single yeah. time, I feel. And it's a puzzle piece that isn't required. Yeah. You don't need to show that part. You just let it lie and you move on. It's it, not, it, it reminds it, me it of seems 76, like a small deal. Fallout 76. I, I just remember right. where it was set in the timeline. There was like a lot of just issues with the lore that people were resurrecting. And, and there were defense posts being made about like, well, here's, if you look at this Fallout Bible, you know, here's why this works. And there were people who were countering that with the same source going, here's why it doesn't work. And it's just like when you try to find that ideal part in a oops in a game's timeline just to slot in a game's vision i feel like that's when they start to run into just initial issues it happens all the freaking time yeah. it's, it's that's why to, my, to like i said Ubi, ubisoft does a pretty good job listening so mm-hmm. they've done a good job with their games of service stuff they've done a good job with pretty much uh, and and i'm super was super negative after unity for example mm-hmm. yeah. um so to me i feel like this will just be where they look at it, and they're like, "Okay, man, yeah, that was a sh- that was we got to think these things through whenever we want to make this decision." And um, I think slotting into that small section was their disaster point. Like that was the stupid, that was the stupid part. Mm-hmm. 
was was slotting that in. And I don't know why people who are working on DLC don't have a person whose entire job is to poke holes in their ideas. Yeah, but, but for I example, like, I feel like most of the time with writing, it's about uh, the, the team is focusing on what works for them, and they yeah. want to keep it a secret. So because the, the writing is really that has everything you need to know about the game, right? Right. And the dialogue, character interactions. So you think fake. the compartmentalization of data is what causes the issue? I truly think so, yeah. Just trying Makes to keep sense. things under wraps is what yeah. keeps everything so confined. And and you can't poke a hole in a story if you know nothing about it. And that's why yeah. you, you just trust in the talent of your writers, hope that they put together something cohesive that makes sense, that fits in their universe well, um, that doesn't feel forced, and so on. Um and hope that there aren't any holes to be poked in there. Uh, there's the QA process, with, which maybe when someone's playing a vertical slice of the game, they go, well, what the, what the fuck does that mean? I mean, I can't imagine yeah. the, the Hideo Kojima Death, Death Stranding game that I wonder if that's a part of the QA process. Like, hey, Hideo, this this game makes zero sense. <laughs> it looks cool, and it's it's fascinating in its concept, but this makes zero sense. Like, it doesn't look like that's a part of his QA process, you know what I'm saying? So I think it depends on maybe the product, because he's known for his, I don't want to say nonsensical, but his bonkers storylines. Right. No, no, they're completely nonsensical, it's yeah. fine to say. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense, and I think that the director, the reason why he apologized is technically he's the person who should have poked a hole in it. Right. He is the director. Um, we've had producers on the channel and done interviews with them and with their lead developers in the same room and the producer has stated stuff like, you don't even need a, a programming degree to do my job. You actually need to understand all of the elements. So that person most likely should have looked and said, you know, are we sure? And here's the thing. Just because somebody pokes hole doesn't mean somebody else would explain it away and it would make sense, too. Right. Like, and maybe that didn't resonate. Maybe they didn't figure out a way to make it resonate because I haven't played the DLC so um, maybe there was a chance there that they could have made all this make sense. Like, was it a part of duty? You know, whether you agree with that being a thing or not, maybe back then they did. But yeah, it's just, it's weird. I think it's all caused because of what they tried to do, which was explain the in, the main genesis of the entire thing. Yeah. And they should have just left that for they tried, storytelling. They tried to do what Burial C did, pretty much, in a, a much different way. Or the Star Wars movies, the prequels. Yeah. Leave leave Anakin out of it. Darth Vader's your thing, and just go to your next movies. Skip the skip the Genesis, because that's where a lot of these issues do come about. Exactly, because I think I think Burial Sea to this day is still the that's best the Bioshock. Content. Yeah, yeah. That is still the best downloadable content I have played in my entire life, still to this day. So. Now, for folks who thought I was a little overly negative on the whole Bloodline storyline here, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm always good for, for bringing it full circle. I am always good for that, especially since playing that. Uh, it's just a matter of how you do it and how well it's executed. Because it can be executed well. Like I said, Barry, let's see. You want to see perfect execution of taking a series from start all the way around, back to the beginning again? Play Barry, let's see, after playing Bioshock 1 and Infinite. It's, but it's that's insane. the difference right there. You just you just said, you know, drawing it full circle. If you can't draw the circle, then you didn't do it. Yeah. And Assassin's Creed didn't get the full Assassin's circle. Assassin's Creed is like a jagged they, line. <laughs> yeah, Assassin's Creed got sort of like a crescent moon, and then we're like, <laughs> ah, fuck. So I think that's the difference between the Bioshock one. They got the full circle, made sense. Overall, it all fits. Plot lines work. And for, you know, it they missed. Mm -hmm. 
They missed. I yeah. mean, in in the long in the long line of games that we've all lived through, this this does not matter. It's just like, yep, they missed, and you move on. I'd rather them miss here, learn their lesson, move yeah. on, and apply their 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 new lesson to mistakes make you better. Game. Yeah, exactly. Apply it to the yeah. next game. That's that's this is a good thing in in a, in a scheme of things. So I'll, yeah, I'll take the storyline sure. mistake here for a better Assassin's Creed next time around because AC's yeah, been getting too. better and better. So let's let's hope they just continue that process. You never did Syndicate's uh, Jack the Ripper DLC, I'm assuming. I did not. I did not like Syndicate Dude. that much. I thought that was such an average game. Dude. Oh, it's amazing, first of all. But ignore that. The DLC, best DLC ever. Oh, I thought you were talking about I the would... DLC was amazing. You thought Syndicate was amazing? No, no. I thought Syndicate was amazing. I'm saying the Jack the Ripper DLC, you said you thought the Bioshock DLC was probably the best, and I'm, I haven't got a chance to play it. So, Ooh. like you, you haven't got a chance to play this. Jack the Ripper DLC, for me, is easily the best DLC ever made. Wow. Like it beats Witcher 3. What's it about? Jack the Ripper. Yeah. That's all I can say. That's Dude, all you can say? it's... It'll blow your mind. Like, because did you play? All, did you play all of Syndicate? Yeah, I reviewed it. Yeah. Okay, so you remember Jump uh, Springheel Jack Jack the Ripper in the game as certain no. characters you're trying to track down? Do you even remember any of that? Oh. Ba- just barely, I assume. Yeah. I'll just say it. Yeah, dude. Read a summary of it, and you're like, "What the fuck?" It's in. It's fucking delicious, man. It shit is a great set of DLC. It's but if you weren't a fan of Syndicate overall, then it's it probably wouldn't resonate. It's got some like average reviews. These screenshots yeah. look really cool. Wow, I, all I, of never all, all of, of the DLCs for all of the fucking Assassin's Creed games seem to have tepid reviews, though I've noticed. Like That's any true. DLC, I think a I've I think liked. A different team handles it, except um, Freedom Cry. I think that one did decently well for Freedom, four. Freedom Cry. I think that I was an expansion, a mini expansion kind of thing for Assassin's Creed Four. I think it's also just the fact that it's never a full game and it's easier to ding it. Mm. I, I, I like even the DLC I've done has never ac- come close to the main games of any games I've played, except for that one single one. And I've played a lot of DLC. I think it's it is different teams a lot of times, but also it's because it's not a full contained game, mm-hmm. and they come out later a lot of times. So you're you jump back into it and you're like level thirty guys, and I'm level. I'm level 30, but I don't remember the moves or whatever, and you spend an hour getting your ass kicked, and that can sour you, too. Right on. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Next topic we've got on deck is EA. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. So uh, EA canceled a open-world Star Wars game from, uh, what was it, EA Vancouver? I want to say? Uh, Yes, because the Respawn is still making theirs. Yeah. And uh, this, man, I went on a whole rant to my girlfriend before recording a video on our Airbnb and then posting that from my phone because I was just that that bothered by this. Um, I just thought that, like, their incompetence with the Star Wars license is so infuriating. It's hands down, like, the worst video game deal I've ever seen. But I, I, like I said, I ranted about it enough, and I'll rant again. But Carrick, I want to get your thoughts generally on on this whole deal. Like Scalebound, which sorry to inform people, was testing like absolute dog shit. When a company cancels something, it, it is looking at it and deciding can we can we complete this? EA couldn't with whatever team they put together; it just didn't work out, which mm-hmm. sucks. Um, it sucks, but. 
I would rather have a cancellation like this where everybody keeps their job, which they've made clear has occurred. Um, nobody's lost their jobs. And in fact, I would assume some people probably help out respawn in some way. To me, it it sucks. It's obvious that they can't get their shit straight. Um, but I think a canceled, possibly good Star Wars game is far better than a shitty Star Wars game. Really. Right. So to me, uh, it sucks, but I don't get too caught up in what like could have maybe been made and then isn't going to get made. Usually I'll just be like, that sucks, and move on. We just heard this morning somebody said KOTOR, had been, KOTOR 3 had been attempted multiple times. I can't remember who – I saw it on Twitter. How's somebody in – I think it might have been Jason Schreier even who stated that he had heard that it had been attempted. It is depressing, but I move on pretty quickly because it's like – you don't really know what that end product would be. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's obvious they can't handle it, they're, or they're not handling it you right. Know, I think um, I'm in your train of thought. A canceled game that that could damage the license even more at this point, or the brand rather, uh, is far more harm than good. Um, but on the other end, there's a reason that they just completely shut down Visceral. Yeah, and there's a reason this got canceled, and there's a reason that within six years we've gotten only two Battlefront games. Like there is a reason behind it, and I think you know the the core denominator or the common denominator here is EA. They 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 are involved in every situation, and there's just something not flowing well with this Star Wars deal. It, it's especially because one of their probably best products when it comes to Star Wars was one that was made before the deal, which was the Old Republic. That that's an MMO that continues to improve. That is, I say it now that I ate my words. I thought it was pretty fun for the time I've continued to play it. It is yeah, a solid MMO. And that's someone who is like a KOTOR elitist in the sense when it comes to, to the Old Republic. I'm like, yeah, the Old Republic's eh. But uh, KOTOR, it's like, all right, I like what the Old Republic's doing. But like I said, that's their best thing to show. And it's not even from the brand deal. So the only things to show from the brand deal was one, a very shallow shooter that was incredibly disappointing. And the other, which looked to be a very big step forward for EA... And it ended up having a lot of pay-to-win monetization issues where they spent the majority of what could have been post-launch support for a great game getting rid of a lot of the bullshit that was involved. And now that's why we're only just here in this month seeing more content drop for the game. And uh, Grievous came out a month or two ago. Like It's it, it's finally getting started. But it's, I don't want to say too late, but it's it, it definitely could have benefited a lot more if this was all happening in March of last year rather than January over a year later, right? So that's the thing, man. This deal is it's just fucking awful. And I think Disney's got to take some blame for it too. If I'm them, they're probably looking at it like, oh, we're making money off this deal. But it's like, imagine if you may, imagine if you, you did what Marvel did and went like to different partners all across the world and said, you, you know, we could see them making an open world game, them making a horror game, them making a strategy game. And so on. Imagine if they did that, how much more they would make if they put that extra level of effort in instead of just leaving it in the hands of EA, who just continues to fuck it up, it feels. Well, and remember, Disney Disney fired their entire Star Wars development team, too, because they were right. doing Disney Infinity 2, which was based on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And they fired everybody without a second thought. I mean, they just they went from, like, we're fully doing this to nothing. Not we're fully doing this, but game or toys to life isn't working out. So we're going to switch something else. They neuter, they just cut it. My personal opinion is that 
people don't get with Disney is that Disney is fully invested in mobile games. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you see a ton of Star Wars mobile games. And Disney is probably far less interested in what goes on in the three to four plus year development cycle of a AAA game. And so to them, EA paid them the money and they're just like, okay, whatever, make your games. And they're working or they're not working. I don't necessarily think they are even, I mean, they got their money. They're going to get their money. They could have got more, obviously, because I'm sure they have a back-end deal for, for sales. Um, but I think overall, it, it just feels to me like Disney's completely not connected to gaming in the way you and I are. Yeah, It doesn't feel like whoever's there. I mean, and I didn't know. I don't want to say that. But I was friends with on Twitter and talked in DMs sometimes to people who worked at Disney on games prior to them shuttering that company. And it was... It was like, there were some issues, there were some issues, boom, you're all done. I mean, it went from like full on, full court, we're going to figure out shit, to zero. And it feels like that's the way a company as big as Disney is. Is that the piddling millions they could be making from EA on better games, they're maybe making back on mobile. Hmm. I mean, and obviously all their mobile games are filled with microtransactions. Yeah. So... Um, I don't think they had an issue with EA doing it. They did state some stuff, and I remember in there in, when e, when EA had the huge issue with Star Wars Battlefront. I remember they Disney did have a couple comments. I just I just don't think that they see it as like that big of a deal. Um, they're I think they're just waiting it out, and then once who knows? I don't know how long the deal it, is. It, how long do we know how long the deal is? Uh, ten years. So is it ten like years? Twenty twenty thirty. Wait, what? 2023 20, sorry yeah. i thought you said 2030 and i was like what the fuck no okay god Holy Tw- fuck. Uh, oh. yeah i i have a feeling they'll just um you know they'll wait it out yeah. they'll get a game or two from ea but they'll, they'll, they'll be podunk games yeah man because here's the thing i have some confidence in the respawn game because respawn is a very good developer mm-hmm. I like titanfall 2 Titan or titanfall 1 sorry i i didn't play a lot of titanfall 2 not because i didn't like it I didn't have time for it, and it's one I never got around to, really. Uh, I played some of the multiplayer. I thought it was fun, though. Um, but that was really it on that. But it was still, I know, based off what people talk about with the game, like it's a really good game. So I have some confidence that when they get their hands on a Star Wars game, it will be fun. And right. it, I think it will be good. I trust it will be good, rather. Um, what I'm nervous about here is that Disney's going to see EA really, like, you know, pump it up a little bit in these last four years of their deal. And we're going to see a lot of games start to come out and maybe they end up being solid where Disney goes, well, these first six years were like fucking hell, but these last four years have been incredibly lucrative and do they renew the deal with them? That's what terrifies me where, where they kind of make use of some recency bias and go, well, well, lately it's been good. Also EA reminds me, or or, I'm sorry, this, this deal uh, in Disney kind of remind me of Marvel in the mid two thousands. Um, you, you like having the deal with Activision, having like Beanox make a million and one fucking Spider-Man games, and and none of them being good. Uh, the difference here is that Activision and Marvel they were just churning out games left and right, and all of them were incredibly average. Whereas, uh, at least with EA and the Star Wars deal, either something gets canceled or what does come out is a uh, at least trying to swing for something triple A. Um, it's just a matter of. It could be so much better if they just took a... Because put it this way, man. Well, Marvel screwed their head on 
and they started seeking out developers. I mean, think of how much money. I, I would go to the length of saying that they made more money off of just that Spider-Man PS4 game and the deal with Sony than any fucking Spider-Man game that came out in like the last five, six years combined. That game made stupid amounts of money for good reason. It's not only a good game, but it's a good-ass Spider-Man game. And Spider-Man sells. It seems like Disney just doesn't get the brand they're working with. Where if they understood, hey, this this is a license that could sell like hotcakes. Even more so than it already does. If we take the time to play some games and have a vision and pitch that vision to a studio. Imagine Platinum Games making a lightsaber-focused action-adventure title. Holy shit, right? It, there's there's so much room for opportunity, I feel, that's just not being seized. Not that EA doesn't have the studios underneath them. I know Bioware isn't for everybody, myself included. Um, who else is there? Visceral would have been a fantastic one for a, a more tense horror experience. They're gone now. Uh, I like the idea of an open-world Star Wars game. Yes, DICE making a shooter Battlefront multiplayer game. Makes sense. I thought EA, initially when this deal happened, had the tools to get something cool done here, but they're just showing a lack of uh, being competent with it, and it's, it's, it's infuriating. I could go on for days about how stupid I think this deal is. Yeah, I, I just... I have a feeling they tr- they're treating it a little bit like stocks that, for some reason, when you buy them, you get a little bit of money back because mm-hmm. they sold their IP to to ea i'm sure they got upfront money and then if it goes bad they don't lose anything if it goes good they gain stuff and i think that the upfront was what probably got them into it because i would assume ea paid a lot yeah so ea pays enough to offset the closing of their own company which was uh i can't remember was i think it was avalanche software it was av was avalanche something because there's avalanche incorporated avalanche some yeah there's three avalanche and i believe their company was also avalanche um so they got canceled, and I, it just feels to me like they're sitting back and like they got their return on it. Now, when it comes to recency bias, I agree with that, but also there is, there is the thought process that EA could get better. So in those four years, depending on the success, I could see Disney saying, okay, they did learn their lessons. It is working out now. Mm-hmm. Let's continue now. Um, it's going to, like, that's, that's, that's what happens when you take a chance on something. Like, we just have no clue what's going to happen. I also have no guarantee whatsoever that Respawn's Star Wars game won't be sent out to die like Titanfall 2 was and be released on the same big, you know, day as some other some other title. Like, I call I it mean, the Tomb Raider effect. Respawn's yeah, got that Tomb yeah. Raider effect. Yeah, and that's... And, it was a it was a massive title for them remembering that Titanfall 1 has now sold more on the original Xbox and being platform exclusive than Titanfall 2 has yet to sell which goes to be like whoa but yeah like it's it's just pretty crazy stuff man i mean would they be better with somebody else probably not a big company they'd probably be better with a small one but i don't think it, it disney has never indicated that they want to be involved that heavily they want to just put out money and have one person take care of everything. I don't think like Disney even has. Yeah, I don't think Disney even has the infrastructure for multiple people to go to multiple companies. A mobile company? That's what. What's your game? It's going to be like this. It's going to do this. We can we can flip it in six months. Okay, great. But a AAA company, you know, open world, massive game. 
That's a long fucking time. And then you have all these sh- weird shit rules you have to run around with Star Wars 2 that you don't in a lot of other games. They have all their canon rules. Look at Old Republic. Like, it's considered one of their popular games, and it's not even canon. Yeah. It just exists in a vacuum somewhere. A very popular, very successful vacuum, but a vacuum somewhere. It's yeah, just, so they're, they're in a weird system. They're in a weird situation. Just sad. Honestly, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's just sad. I, I, I totally agree with earlier what you said. Like, okay, you know, cancel a game that may not have been that good is better than just releasing a shit one. But it's just, there's just this curse with Star Wars. And it started with like yeah. 1313 of cancellation, cancellation, cancellation. And oh, I think it just leaves the constant lingering of what could have been where each time it happens, it's like tearing open that same old wound again. It's like, damn, again, you know. Just the idea, like, I've always wanted to see an open world Star Wars game, and I don't know a single Star Wars fan who doesn't want to see that. So, when you hear, yeah, oh, it got canceled, it's like, damn, man, again, this is another Do you know what I see them doing? I see them, and 1313 was farther along than anybody, yeah. anybody knows. That yeah. game was very far along from at least the two contacts I have. But what I was going to say was, I could see them doing another Force Unleashed kind of game. It, I'm not saying exactly that, yeah. but a for, that a linear left to right, you know, battle game telling a story. And it, um, they, that was technically sort of what this new one sounded like before they, before they canceled the this one, one too. Or... Yeah, not the, this, this latest one that got canceled. Like some of the stuff that they were talking about sounded like it was a little bit more contained, mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, a little less open worldy, a little bit like more digestible. And then that even got canceled. Um, yeah, man, it just makes you wonder what what do they want what works right and they've said before we believe in live service games and that that type of stuff and i think go, they okay. thought star wars battlefront was going to be it dude i really do yeah i believe that since we know it actually played well it just was chock full of bullshit i think they really distinctly were like this will be the shit for us and instead it's set them back by multiple years it is the shit literally <laughs> Except for now, right? I think people are saying it's, it's very good yeah, now, but no yeah, one's going to go back it, to it. I played it a month ago, and it, oh, it, okay. is, it is fun. It, I said it at launch when I reviewed it. I said, this game yeah. is fun. It's just that it's mired by microtransactions and yep. bad balance because of that. Um, and, and now it's a little bit tougher to get in just because of a lot of people having their, uh, what are they called? Their, their little skill cards. There's an actual term for it, but those are fully leveled up. So you can get outclassed real easily. Even now there's a, a bit of a balance issue. It's a shame really, because Battlefront two has massive potential and it is an enjoyable game. If you are, you know, in the right lobby and you're not playing players who have like insane star cards, that's what it is. Insane star cards. Uh, it's not as bad as it was at launch. There has been a lot of tweaks made to it, a lot of ways to upgrade it and get yourself into it, but it, it does take a little bit of struggling at first before you get into that. There's a lot of fun modes. There's a 2v2 heroes versus villains mode that I love to death. It, it, it is a fun game. That's the sad part. All right. Yeah, it sucks. Next on the list, the real fighting game announcement that came out is not Mortal Kombat. But on that same day of the reveal, a ballsy developer decided to announce that a Power Rangers fighting game is coming in April, too. So not only the same reveal date, but also releasing in the same fucking month. That is a set of nuts, I swear. But anyway, uh, this is going to be a $20 fighting game. It comes from the developers who made uh, Power Rangers Legacy Wars, which is a mobile fighting game. 
Uh, this is their first crack at making a console game, I believe. It's going to be on the Switch, PC, PS4, Xbox One. It's going to cover the 25-year history of Power Rangers, so likely we're going to see renditions of Power Rangers from different eras oh, that yeah, all very, of us have grown cool. up in. Yeah, and, and that it's a $20 title. Some people are like, it looks like shit. And I go, uh, I think actually you said it was bad, too. I, I don't know. Does it change yeah. your perspective a little bit seeing it's 20 bucks, or do you expect better for a 20 buck title? Oh, no. No, I mean, tw- um, price definitely can Im- impact like what I expect out of it, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's not out yet. So it's like who knows what you know graphical passes they'll do. So yeah, it does look like it, it does look pretty terrible right now. Mm-hmm. But I, who knows what'll happen, especially in a quick turnaround like this. I mean, and also it's Power Rangers. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure how much I'll be into it anyway. But okay. I'll, I'll I'll check it out regardless. Yeah, I I grew up with Power Rangers, and it's it's the thing that you it's it's a title I call that you didn't know you wanted. Every time I see something Power Rangers related i always research it i remember there was a a recent power rangers 2d game that came out did you review it maybe no right uh not the did i review the power there was a power rangers one and i did play it i don't remember if i reviewed it or did impressions on it yeah but there there definitely was one a while ago it it was like a nickelodeon game something like that i I don't remember but it it, that wasn't good and there were there have been a lot of Power Rangers games that come out recently, and every time it does happen, I think to myself, "Man, I'd, I'd kill for a legit Power Rangers game." So for this, twenty bucks covers a lot of the history of the show. I'm about it. I, I think I think it has some potential in in concept. Uh, will it be a good fight or will it be busted? I don't know. But when I was looking at some of the gameplay, visually it doesn't look that great, but move set wise, I I liked what I saw. It had a killer instinct on the xbox one look and feel to it which is a fighter that i adore and i I still say to this day when the xbox one first launched that was the best game to come out for that system and it still is one of the best exclusives for xbox one it is a really good fighting game i don't know what's changed with it but i thought it was a fucking blast back then trying Um, to look to see if i reviewed it no i guess i didn't no i don't i remember playing it but i don't remember I don't remember what happened. It was like a side scroller with like cartoon looking sprites, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I don't yep. know. I was I looking at some it. other people's videos of it. Yeah. And it, it got, was it Angry Joe? He did. Yeah. He was the number so, one. I was going to say, someone tore it up about how bad it was. And I thought it was you, but I might be thinking of Battle Crashers. You did Battle Ye- Cartoon Network? Yeah, I did Battle Crashers, but I also did, I think you're thinking Steven's Universe or Steve's. Uh, that might I, be the, it. The, uh battle crashers yeah no that is the game battle it's like battle crashers something yes i did i did review that one for sure and didn't like and did destroy it yeah Yeah. i was gonna say and that one was exponentially bad okay yeah yeah anyway with power rangers uh, you said this is something you're gonna check out uh yeah i'll check it out is it on the review sketch you're looking at it like yeah yeah we'll dive into it no but if it if it pops up and they inform me and it and i have time i would definitely play it like see the thing with Power Rangers is I sort of liked it, but if the game is good, it wouldn't matter if I didn't even know the IP. Like, if I if I start to enjoy it, I'll enjoy it. It's right. just, if it's only 20 bucks, it might be worth reviewing just because so many people will hold it. You know, they'll hold it accountable like a $60 game, even though that's not fair. And I love doing those reviews and being like, bitch, listen, it's 20 fucking dollars. You're not going to get Star Wars Battlefront 2 fucking graphics 
in a twenty dollar game. So sometimes I like to cover those to sort if, if there's a little gem in there that it's like, holy shit, this is a fun gauntlet style beat 'em up or Streets of Rage, which one of my favorite games of all time. So yeah, I mean it's interesting. It's just I have to look I have to look a little closer at it. I just saw stills of it and it looked oh. pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. Rough. I got you. Rough. Yeah. I um yeah, it's a game that I, I hope I can make some time for because there's been so many fighters coming out. There's Smash, Jump Force, now Mortal Kombat, and then we're seeing this as another fighter. It's becoming a saturated field where diving into a million and one fighters is, I, I personally think it's never a good idea because how do you become good at one when each fighter tries to play vastly different from its competition? So it's it's hard to become a, a very formidable opponent if... <laughs> If you can't master one fighting game and you hop to the other, uh, you yeah. can just jack of all trades, master of none, pretty much. Anyway, just a little short news bit there. Nothing crazy. Just I think personally, I think personally, it would have been much more enjoyable to see Platinum Games announce that they were. Oh yeah, I mean anything Platinum Games does at this point. I'm yeah, but I mean, I think that one fits because I think that they probably internally hate the fact that Ninja Turtles was so bad. I think that they any should. company remembers they should. remembers their negatives. Well, when I talk to the Vermintide guys and I bring up Escape from Dead Island, which is a fucking terrible Oof, game, they they remember really it. One. Yeah, and they remember it. Like it it's become a joke amongst us where I'll be like this isn't no Escape from Dead Island, is it? And I'll be like no, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully and they, but they remember it as a that's the thing, mistakes. It's you. Yeah, they do. And so like the idea of them having done Cora, which wasn't received well, and having done um uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and haven't done well. There's other, you know, cartoon type of things that they could that fits. And I think personally, Power Rangers fits Platinum more than almost anybody else. I think they could do a. Fit. And has Platinum ever done a two D? Has Platinum ever done a fighter versus fighter Mortal Kombat style game Mm-mm. ever? Mm-mm. That would be sort of interesting to see them take that on yeah, too. It would remind like me what... of uh, Arc System, who does like Blaze Blue or Blaze Blue and stuff, or Dragon yeah. Ball Fighters. That's what I think yeah. of personally because it's just fast action pay uh, action packed mm-hmm. and it's graphically or it's aesthetically pleasing to the series it's tied to. I could see them doing something like that. That'd be cool. Anyway, moving on. What do we got next? Ace Combat, Carrick. This is all you. You reviewed it. You wanted to talk about it. It's so fucking good, man. Ooh, it's so fucking. That's what good. I like to hear. It's too bad you don't have the PSVR because um, even though there's, I, I think there's four excellent renditions of PSVR games, which is the the Star Wars VR missions that you can do for Battlefront, which are mm-hmm. PSVR exclusive, Astrobot, Resident Evil Seven, which is phenomenal. But dude, Ace Combat, I was by myself. Well, not by myself at this point, but I was playing the normal version right by myself for hours, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna test out the VR version. Fucking get my headset out. It's all dusty. I'm like, God, this thing. It's not gonna, you know, not gonna be a fan. Took my took my meds to not fucking throw up everywhere, and I turn it on, and I'm playing. And I get my joystick out. I even bought a joystick to test it to verify wow. joysticks work for this game because I know a lot of people want to gonna want to play it. And I pull up, and shit's going on around you, like it, amazing shit, like airplane crowd. You're taking off from a battlefield basically, and as I take off. And I fucking throw it back and just gun it. My stomach was like, yep, we're in an airplane. Like there was absolute, because I've been in an airplane. It was, ident- my stomach had no fucking idea I was not currently in an F-16 trying to get to the sun. Like wow. it was fucking phenomenal. 
And I am telling you, they did such a good job with the design because the PSVR's resolution isn't great. Mm-hmm. But what they did was they made sure that all the instruments that you would ever use in the pancake version, the flat version, or ever need were very visible. So you would look down and you could see your radar very visibly. That that had a lot of extra processing just for that, even though some of the other switches and stuff were difficult to read because they didn't care about that. They were there. You could see that there was something, but you would never use them in this game. And there are few things more enjoyable than flying through another person's explosive innards, and that's what you do through the entire game. Like you blow somebody up, they're on fire, you see the pilot coming out, their parts are exploding, and you fly through them, and you're just like, this is fucking so unbelievable. I've, I've never played Ace Combat. Is this almost arcadey in, in its nature, it's, or is it? It's one like step above series? arcade. Okay. One step above arcade. One step below sim. It's right in the middle. Um, okay. Where, like a re- for example, real jets fight many times nowhere near within view. So they'll shoot a missile. Missile's got a hundred mile fucking radius, right? right? So they may not see and each other. Twelve miles for some of the like sidewinders kind of stuff. So. What Ace Combat does is truncates that, so you can usually see them. And then um, it, it, it basically is an arcade game with some requirements. And what they did on this one was they made the requirement not about, like, they, the, the requirement wasn't about absolutely perfectly controlling your jet. It was about potential energy, which is the, it's the equivalent of making sure your jet is always moving forward at its fastest speed, which allows you to pull off your best maneuver. So potential energy to a to a pilot is, you know, always making sure you're moving as quick as possible and understanding any special move you do is going to burn off speed. And that's they made it perfect. It wow. fits like I was pulling off because I know a couple, you know, I have friends who are pilots who have taken me up in planes, Immelman's, uh, you know, special, you know, certain Russian maneuvers, stuff like that, snakes. And you're able to pull them off in this. Wow. And, dude, it's amazing. Like you will you'll come up behind a, a bomber and you already are like, fuck, I'm going too fast. So you do like a high G turn, burn off a bunch of speed, and you end up right behind them, fire your missiles, fucking their parts explode. Nice. Then then their parts will come off of them and then secondarily explode. So like if they have a missile on their uh, wing, the wing will break off, start to fall off, and then that'll explode. And you're flying through this debris. It's hitting windows. And then you go into the fucking, you go into like clouds. It, you can't see shit. Water condenses everywhere. And they did an amazing thing with the sound. They muffle it. So when you go into like fog, the music goes like, instead of going like boom, 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 it's all. Mm. Like everything gets contained and condensed. And the sound of your jet goes like, instead of like, it's all. And it changes to this weird cotton sound. It is fucking awesome awesome and you'll come out and you're just completely blind until the water and ice wow. melt off of your jet yeah it is fucking so good man it, it it is all in the pancake version which is the other parts of the game um work really well as well like i it's it's easily my favorite ace combat of all time and one of my favorite games this year already like it's just second to none enjoyable from start to finish i mean it, it is a blast they do such a good job of making sure missiles feel like they're powerful, but not so powerful that you just fire it hmm. and you're done. Um, and I just think it's cool because it's been 10 years. They did a non-numbered version called Assault, I think, which was terrible. But since Ace Combat 6, it's been it's been 11 years, actually. So this is the first true Ace Combat sequel in 11 years. And wow. okay. like it's so nice because I was looking at reviews today and it got like 9s out of 10s from a lot of people. I'm like, fuck, that thing. You know, some people didn't like it. That'll always happen. Um 
but it got some amazingly good scores, and I was really happy to see that, especially for a PSVR title, or has PSVR functionality. How would you how would you pitch this to someone like me who has not played a Ace Combat game ever? You know, for me growing up, I don't know what it has been. For example, in Battlefield, I always was boots on the ground. I did not like getting in the tanks. I did not like getting in the vehicles because how do I word it? It's so fucking dumb, but I always thought it was cheap. I was just like, no, if I'm not running around, it's almost like a pride thing. I feel like no, if I'm not running around with my gun out, getting the getting the people killed, then you know I'm not that good at the game. It was almost like I was proving something to myself, I guess. Uh, and mm-hmm. I got more satisfaction out of playing the game that way. As someone who predominantly doesn't like using vehicles in their gameplay, what what would you do to convince me that, hey, you should give uh, this game a try? As well, someone, it requires I've, I've skill, number ne- one. I've never even seen anything also for this game. I, don't, I, I genuinely don't know a thing about it. I know it was coming out. I know Namco Bandai is involved somehow. I think they're publishing it. Mm-hmm. That, that's all I know, yeah. though. That's literally all I know. Um, I I mean, well, it requires skill. That's the one thing. Like, for example, if you have guns and you're going against guys on the ground and guys in the air and you have to protect somebody, mm-hmm. it requires insane thought processes. Like, because it, 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 imagine on the ground, most of the time on the ground, like, let's say you go into the uh, underground in a tunnel in a shooter. There's an underground complex. You don't have to worry about what's above you. It's a 2D experience overall. Right. So this is the same exact requirements, but in 3D. Mm-hmm. and understanding how to do particular things. It's like Tony Hawk's skate, where you had to understand you needed a certain speed to pull off a certain move on a ramp. All of that is translated to the speed of your airplane in this. All your special moves, anything you want to do, getting getting behind somebody. And um, because the missiles aren't perfect, far less perfect than in real life, and because it's so hard to hit somebody with guns, it becomes unbelievably immersive. So, like, there were times where I was flying upside down, pulling negative Gs while flying up, twisting, trying to get underneath a bomber that was firing at me, and all I'm seeing is blue sky, just like a real pilot would see. Right. And my stomach was like, what the fuck? I mean, and you look out and you see, like, you know, shit flying. You pull up behind, and it would be like Forza, but in, in air. Like the requirements, uh, the technical requirements to get behind somebody or to do particular things are not always that high, but they're high enough, especially on the difficult, which is really difficult. Um, Trying to get behind somebody is insane. Imagine trying to get a bead on the best player in a shooter. Mm. If you put this on hard, it is easily that hard, if not harder. I mean, you will sit there for like seven minutes if you put it on hard. You don't have to do this, but if you put it on hard... You can spend seven minutes trying to get behind the enemy to get a rocket off because they're pulling, you know, they're doing Immelmans and shit and you're pulling S turns and no matter what, you can't get behind them. And they're always consistently trying to get behind you. So it's this insane time frame where you're, you're always looking. You're like, where the fuck are they? Cause they flew past you right. and you're like, did they go up? Did they go down? If they went down, they're gaining potential energy plane speak they're gaining velocity if they're going up they're they're burning it so it's like okay well then i'll go down and try to gain while they're losing so that i can try to you know drop and then turn behind them dude it's it's so hard to explain other than it is fucking it's like a, a controllable roller coaster the with missiles mm. the entire time and okay. it is fucking awesome and then there's boss creatures so you're playing the normal game and of course it's in the future in a creatures. fantasy world Wait, really? Well, I say creatures. Sorry, I shouldn't have said creatures. Bosses. Um, so, like, they'll have a massive 
18 engine bomber jet that's got fucking okay. SAM rocket launchers on it. It's got, and you have to take out all of its engines while at the same time fighting off MIGs and all this other shit. And there's multiple bo- boss stages in all of them. Wow. So, and then it'll have different, you know, like it'll, you'll take off from an, one of the funniest missions. You don't, you're a prisoner when you start the game. And they, they're not going to give you any bullets. They're like, we just want you to fly up into the sky and make the enemy think that there's jet fighters up there. So just become a target. And it's a very unique way of teaching you the mechanics because you can't shoot anybody. You just have to be like, what the fuck? And they even explain it. And remember, in World War II, this actually happened where uh, some troops were sent into battle and their only job was to run around and wait for one of their friends to die to pick up the, the gun. That's been repeated in Call of Duty games and so forth. So it's not necessarily unknown to have something crazy like this occur. Right. And and then every jet, there's 25 plus jets, they all act completely different. So you get one that's insanely fast that can't turn very well. And then you get like the A-10, which is insanely slow, but fucking almost rips itself apart on fast turns. And then you're inside, like there's a battle that you do inside or um, basically in the valleys of like um, Peru. And so there's these huge stone pillars that you're like, you know, trying to fly through sideways so that you can get a, a bead on a MIG. And there's, like, trees you have to watch out for. It's just, it's fucking, it's phenomenal, dude. It's everything about an arcade shooter I've ever wanted to play. But again, you don't play these. So, like, it's difficult to say it's for a person who doesn't play them. I will just say that the skill required in Ace Combat Games has always been considered to be high. And when you put it on hard in this game... I would say it is some of the hardest maneuvering you will ever have to do to get a beat on somebody. Imagine that person you played who's good at a shooter and they know where to go and they're leaping up on things and you're just, all you want to do is just hit them. You're like, I just right. want to fucking shoot them with a bullet. But that's the way all the enemies would be in this. Okay. And then you have, part, you have partners, teammates who talk to you and stuff like that. Is there multiplayer out of curiosity? There is. Yeah, there's team, oh. there's team, there's team. And there's deathmatch. Deathmatch is okay because it's just like, hey, everybody kill everybody. Mm-hmm. That can get sort of uh, gnarly pretty quick. But the team deathmatch is awesome because you all choose different planes. So if my plane's slow but has long-range missiles, I can wait it out while the faster, more nimble ones who have to get closer are, are getting closer. And I'm sort of sitting back going slow in my big, beefy plane. And so there's almost classes in a way because like the A10 is this monster. It's called, it's considered a bathtub on wings. I mean that's what you're sitting in is this almost impervious bathtub, and you're flying this very slow thing. So all these other people are jetting and you're just waiting. It's almost like a capital ship in a space game, hmm. and you're waiting and you get close enough and finally you can launch your shit and you can hear other people go like oh fuck because like miss you'll just be like Chick. and some of your missile banks will lock onto eight enemies. So you have your missiles that just go and they shoot out like a Robotech cartoon and everybody has to worry about you now. And so that gives people on your team the ability during that brief moment of everybody panicking to get behind those enemies. And I've actually seen it where my missiles coming up on the right. So the enemies decides to turn left and bank down. And that's where the guy who was on my team was waiting for him to go and fucking hits him with a rocket on the way into the turn. Because usually you turn you turn in like this, and you hope the missile goes behind your airplane. And so, as they're doing that, somebody will fly in front of them and fire the bull, fire guns, knowing they're going to track a certain way, or fire missiles to catch them flying directly into them. 
dude, it's it's fucking hard to describe, man. But I'm telling you, like, like I a had lot of, a lot of leading your shot. Trying yeah, to, a lot of and trying to figure out where the other person's going to go. And uh, like I was by myself that first time I put that VR on and I'm like, holy shit. And I hear my wife laughing. She's like, what are you doing? You're saying holy shit like every six minutes. And we videotaped. I'm not showing anybody this videotape. But we or recording, but we did record me because I wanted her to record me playing <laughs> a VR game. In your underwear or something. <laughs> Dude, no, no, no. It's just I look like a dope. But I mean, I'm like, what the fuck? Oh shit! Oh fuck! You know, looking around and just in a total panic because you only get one or two hits and then you're dead. You know, because you're. Oh airplane. really? Okay, so it's yeah. A, I mean, that makes sense. It's I, I just yeah. had never considered because, like you said, it's like somewhat above arcade. So I thought, okay, maybe you yeah health. Well, you have chaff. Stuff. You have chaff, which is uh, radar absorbent material radar material that goes out and confuses or flares that confuse a missile so you have a couple of those um but dude and then you have ground forces one of the best missions in vr is a mainly ground force mission and i am telling you there it is so fucking unbelievably fun to get super low to the ground you see like trees and shit coming up under you because you're flying so low low to the ground you're busting up the terrain and you fly under you fly under power lines and then you you go straight up in the air you pull straight up and you pull straight up and you can look because you got the vr headset on you can look back over your wing and you see the sam rocket and you fucking see like the sam you hear like a boop, 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 and the sam rocket's like and you see it launching and you're like that's after me and then you have to time it and there were times where i'd time it twist the fucking wings and the fucking sam rocket be like and you can hear it like past you and then you come down and take them out. Um, Making and, a good case it, for me to want to get a PSVR. <laughs> dude. And that's the thing. Sounds I, fun I as wish, shit. I, I think the next PSVR is going to be great because this one has low res. But if you add Skyrim, which I had forgotten. If you add Skyrim, Resident Evil 7, Astrobot, and this, and um, there was Beat one Saber. other one. Beats, yes, for sure Beat Saber. But there was another one I mentioned. Oh, Star Wars uh, VR missions. Right which is basically this, but in space, it, if you could borrow one, it would absolutely be worth it as long as you knew that you might need a Dramamine or something just in case you, you, you know, yeah, take I, one I a little take early. Dramamine before flights. So. Yeah, so do I. So do I. I even have them. I even have boning. Yeah, I've even got them right here. Like yeah. I have ones for, for playing it. But um, I played so long that the medication wore off and then I was violently ill. I played for 12 hours in a row without taking the headset off and about six hours in i was like mm, i think the medication's running off but i'll be fine i played another six hours the, before this, i finally had to take it off addiction of vr i'll be all right dude it's yeah oh yeah and you're dude, never I, supposed to do that i, I was, warn people never do that i was but. at universal studios this last week and a lot of their rides are virtual so they pretty much put you in a cart themed based off the ride you're getting on they bring you up into a room and the visuals will match the feeling, so if you're going to go downhill, oh, I didn't know thr- that. they'll throttle the ride forward. But you can't really tell that's what's happening because they simulate it so well. It's actually very right. cool. Uh, it's something I personally didn't expect. And so that's what I'm kind of getting. The uh, And so what I was getting at is once I got off a lot of those rides, I felt very queasy, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and and. With VR, um, you know, one pill will usually work. Like, bonine's non-drowsy. You just take it 30 minutes, 20, maybe yeah. 15 minutes is probably fine. But I will say, though, that, like, I, I play all VR systems I own. I think I own every headset. And 
even though I own every one and I would love for it to be higher res, their development team did an incredibly smart job by making sure that what you needed to see was crystal clear or as clear as the PSVR was able to do. Okay. And to see the headset just like a real pilot sees with like the your it numbers like telling you if you're left. match for it. Yeah, it, it just worked, man. And it's it's the worst example of why, or it's the best example of why I hate exclusivity because there's probably no chance of this coming to PC VR. Mm. And, and yet at the same time, it's not the entire game. It's only a couple missions. So it's like, here's something amazing, but only a little bit of it on a system that doesn't really make it look the best. And you're like, are you kidding me? Oh, so VR because, is its own separate Yep, and own see, separate missions. It's all, oh, okay. Yeah, just like Star Wars VR yeah. battles, same thing. Uh, Astrobot's real, Skyrim's real, Resident Evil's real. They're full games. Uh, Fallout, I, one day, I hope, to see Fallout on it. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, this one right? is only four levels and four... On the other hand, each mission's about an hour. So it's about four hours of VR. And then they change. They're dynamic. So it's like... You know, different enemies could show up, or you gotcha. know, the way the way you handle things could, gotcha. could change. Interesting. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, dude. Definitely one I'm going to look oh. into. I, I the thing is, like I told you on last episode, I'm, I'm chipping through Yakuza Kiwami two, um, playing a lot of Smash, obviously because reviews are coming. Well, Resident Evil's in how many days? Next week. Yeah, I was going to say Resident Evil supposedly next week. So. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm guaranteed a review copy. I'm going to cross my fingers. But the worst thing you can do is start a new game and then a review comes in. You go, oh, yeah. Like, obviously, I got to put this down for the review. And if it's something like Resident Evil 2, which which is looking great, then I have no problem for that. But obviously, it's it's a issue you'd like to avoid by not starting too many games at once. So it's one I'm going to look into. Maybe it'll be a Christmas game or something. That, that might be cool. Yeah. I mean, if you just had a friend who had one, so you could play just, yeah, and and I think that's the thing is like it it sold pretty well, but not when you could spread it around the world and assume how many PSV PS4s there are. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I it's just it'd be too bad there isn't a rentable service or something because I don't think it's worth a full thing. But Even to with see the com- it combination because that's the thing I've been looking into the VR because I feel like I, I to to understand if Fallout if Fallout was on the PSVR. If Fallout 4 was, because I believe Fallout 4 is a completely different game in VR. Like, I, I just just so difficult to even describe. Mm-hmm. So if Fallout 4 was also available, I would say it might be worth it. But right now, Sony just sells it too expensive. Okay, gotcha. Um, eBay, on the other hand, like if, if you can get it on eBay for $50 or $75 off, well then... thought trying to get someone else's eyewear. I've gotten styes before because of that. I got sty a sty because I watched, uh, what was it, Coco? I watched that in 3D. Uh... And, and I, use the glasses? Yeah, and the glasses gave me a sty. And that's happened twice to me. And I was surprised because in a lot of these rides at Universal, they're having you throw on the glasses. And I said to my girlfriend, babe, I really hope I don't get a sty. And I thank God I didn't because every time when I got them, I just grabbed those fuckers, put them in my shirt, and just I scraped those goddamn Or have an alum buy those cheap medical, uh, you know, alcohol swabs, mm-hmm. I guess. I didn't yeah. think about that. Um. Yeah, I mean, the the nice thing I will say about the VR system for PSVR is it does not, it's not at your eyes. It's at your forehead. So it's about here. Okay. So, so it once... rests here and hangs down completely not not touching your eyes. So it's about here. So it's it the weight rests here and here, and then the headset comes down, and you can move it closer and farther away from your face, but it never comes anywhere near your eyes. It's more, it's probably like this. Okay. 
so it never never comes close to your eyes but you could still clean it if you wanted because it's a it's got a you know uh okay so a that, ring that's definitely that good to know, then. okay that's a, that's yeah. a difference maker for sure if i'm trying to save some money on that that's a that's a difference maker no it's not like touching not touching yeah because yeah. I've, I've worn a psvr headset but there's a considerable spacing there yeah, yeah. but no i get yeah i mean it's yeah getting somebody else's you have no clue if the dude was watching fucking porn and jacking off under the goddamn headset, <laughs> right you have no clue you like yeah you gotta you gotta take the good with the bad on that shit so i, yeah. I get you fully yeah, absolutely sure. last on the list we got a sleuth of slew slew i said sleuth. slew sleuthing is i think that's something for like getting gold out of a river or something sleuthing is investigating when you're asleep, Wait, hold you're on. Gum sh- gumshoe. Now I need to investigate something now. Seriously. Because my dad used to do gold. Is it sleuthing? Hold on. Because my mom used to make fun of him for it. Gold sleuth. Sluice. That's a sluice box. It's the shake there box we go. that you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Close. Sluice. Very close. Sluice. <laughs> we had a slew. Something with slew. Slew of Dragon Ball news, though. This last week, we're going to be talking about that to cap off the show. Uh, what do we have? A new Dragon Ball game was announced during a live stream that was really hyped up by Namco Bandai. It turned out to not be all fans wanted. However, as a super fan of Dragon Ball, I was very satisfied to know that the Dragon Ball Heroes card game uh, from the arcades is coming over to the U.S. I think in April or March, but it's coming over. And it looks like a good time. I am a fan of the Dragon Ball spin-offs because, for example, a, a little 3DS game that a lot of my viewers recommended to me um, called Dragon Ball Fusions came out in 2016. Really underrated game. It's a strategy-based Dragon Ball game where you collect characters from the universe and then you fuse them together. So it's it's not canon, so you can fuse together Nappa and Raditz and make Naditz or something like that. It's really fucking awesome, especially as a Dragon Ball fan. It is such a cool concept. So seeing a spinoff like an arcade version, something like this, is up my alley. Carrick, I know you thought it was pretty cool. Yep. So yep. You know, it, so, I know I saw somebody giving you shit, right? Or somebody was giving a shit on Twitter. So, you know, someone, like, yeah, someone in the thread was like, it's not what we wanted or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I was so confused by that because I was like, didn't you just play Dragon Ball? Didn't Fighter Z come out like fucking last year? Yeah. Like, it's fine with me. I mean, you know, let them do different stuff. Let them do side, mm-hmm. you know, point five kind of thing. So, no, I'm very excited for it. I have yeah, some bias because, I... you know, there's the Dragon Ball card game, which me and Takedown have talked about to yeah. a uh, very high extent. And then, obviously, uh, this is sort of like a card game. Not the exact same thing, but it's got a card game element to it. So, I'm definitely intrigued by it i played every Yu-Gi-Oh on the fucking N- uh, ds all of those like oh. monster card games any any of that kind of stuff I'm, I'm i absolutely think that's a great way to get what if some kid sees that and goes this is a cool looking creature and it's like well guess what in this fighting game you can become that creature yeah jesus okay that's so how it happens I, I think it's awesome it's, it's yeah. building blocks it's absolutely building blocks because uh, it could go from a show to a game. Oh, hey, this character's cool. Oh, now I can interact with him by playing him in a fighting game. I, it, I, we could all have right. experiences like that. Yep. Um, the other really cool news for Dragon Ball was announced after this, oddly enough, not during the show, was that there is a Dragon Ball Z RPG starting this year. They said in 2019, like that. I don't know if it's coming out this year, but they're saying learn more at the Dragon Ball fighters world tour 
which is on the 26th of January. You have that shit on a calendar? I do, yeah. You saw me look over. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> I saw you go like, I was like, oh, shit, he's got that on a calendar. Are you going to watch it? On, oh, absolutely. It I'm, I'm going to watch it, it because... Are you going? Is it no, local? No, no. Oh, okay. I don't know where it is. But it, well, considering the tweet was written in Japanese, I imagine the, the world tour for fighters would be in Japan. Um, that's okay. just a guess. But the reason I have it written down is because I do want to cover it. Uh, RPGs are my bread and butter on my channel. Yeah, and for sure. I can finally blend in Dragon Ball Your into love that. Yeah, exactly. Everything. Like it's it's it reminds me of what happened with Fallout, where my channel first started growing for Fallout. I love Fallout to death. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm surprised not to go off topic real quick. But when we were talking about products tainting your view of a series, I'm surprised I didn't mention 76 and what it kind of did to Fallout for me, where mm. it's not as appealing to touch Fallout right now. Still one of my favorite sure. series, but it definitely I'm just like, eh, right now. Yeah. Probably because I covered it a ton. But anyway, it reminds me of when Fallout started growing my channel, and I was like, wow, you know, Fallout and content. Like, that's all you could dream of. And I did it for years and years. And the idea that an RPG for Dragon Ball, it's something I could try. You know, I could try to. I know I know, our, like Japanese-style stuff isn't particularly my wheelhouse in the terms of growing my channel, but... I'll be damned if I'm not going to give it a sh- really good shot because I, I would love nothing more <laughs> than to have a Dragon Ball game help grow my channel. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to check it out. I didn't even see that announcement. I only mm-hmm. heard about it when you were talking about it. The last one I saw was the pseudo card game thingy. Yeah, let me let me grab the tweet, actually, because I, I, I freaked out about it on my account. Here it is. Uh, in 2019, the project of a new game focusing on the world of Dragon Ball Z begins. And more news coming to Dragon Ball Fighters. The warrior from Universe 11 is joining the fight. So for those who don't know, that is Jiren, which he was further confirmed in like a magazine for Dragon Ball Fighters. So he's like the main villain during the, the Universe saga uh, or Universe arc in Dragon Ball Super at the end. Um, it says more information to be revealed at the Dragon Ball Fighters World Tour Finals in January 26th to the 27th. Um, so yeah, we're getting, it says the project of a new game focusing on the world of Dragon Ball Z begins. Um, that is, that is really exciting because that sounds like an open world game. Nonetheless, we've seen a lot of Dragon Ball games do an overworld. Uh, one of the Tenkaichi games did it where you, you would fly from battle to battle and there were little secrets you can discover around the map itself, but there, there is so much potential in this the original rumor i'd read was last march that this would be a dragon ball game set in the original dragon ball universe which is still cool but there weren't as many characters to really toy around with whereas z there's just so much more to work with um what i hope is that this rpg system is more like a strategy fighter because dragon ball strategy games are are very underrated uh, they, they provide a lot of elements. Uh, like I said, fusions is another example. That is a, not only a really cool concept, but it is a fantastic strategy game. If you like Dragon Ball, play it. I wouldn't be against an action battle system. I just see that being really watered down with all the characters and the inclusion of their moves. I, I see that just being something like Xenoverse, which is awesome, but then it becomes too samey. Make something that feels separate, that feels different. Where do you stand on it? What do you expect from this? I just the only thing I really care about is that if uh, my hope is actually is that it's good at introducing new people to the fiction mm-hmm. because it's really at a loss 
whenever I hear anybody start talking about the cartoons or anime, I'm always like, because there's so, you know, it's like, oh, what is this version of that version, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Would you rather it be create your own character and enter into the universe? Yep. Or would you want to play as the characters through their story? No, I'd much rather play as as a created character, but that's just me. Right. That's just me liking created characters in superhero, any kind of it, it, fighters, anything. But overall, um, it, on an RPG also, I just think it's easier because when there's an established focus of a certain type of character, then sometimes I want to know how they would act. I'd be like, well, how would this character act? But if it's just me making a character, I'll be like, bitch, I'll do what I want. So mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think I would rather make my own just, yeah. just for me. It would just make me happier. But yeah, no, I'm excited for it. I want, I want anything like that that may, then I'd be able to play. It'd be interactive. And then sometimes you'd be able to pick, like if they say, if for some reason, you know, they did a good job with like passing out data about the prior cartoons, prior shows, prior generations, and they do it in the game. I think I would also just pay more attention, not pay more attention, pick up and retain more of it in a game right. form and in an interactive form than I would um, reading a wiki or even just watching the cartoon, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there is a uh, an entry point for everybody. I think Xenoverse 1 was a really good place, and obviously Xenoverse 2 is so much like the first one that you, the best entry point now is, is the second. But I thought that was a good starting point for the franchise because what I feel is if you didn't know anything about Dragon Ball at that point, chances are the initial storylines did not intrigue you. So Xenoverse sets out to put you and your created character in there and they alter the timeline a little bit so it's not the exact same thing that you've been hearing about for decades and instead it is something different which does bring in a new audience because it's not just goku's story and his friend's story it is now your story and how the timeline is messed up and seeing a different version of that which can appeal to both audiences too so yeah and you did you you liked the universe when you played it very okay. much so. Cool. All right, yes, because I, I thought that was a good entry point. Fighters, I love it, but it's it's too chaotic, I feel, to, to be a... And, and the story's pretty... Like it's, Oh, I, I think I like the story's it. a little bouncy. Yeah, sort of bounces yeah. around in that one. I like it as a Dragon Ball fan, but that's as a Dragon Ball fan. As a original yeah. story that tries to get you invested in it, it's not, not going to do the trick. Yeah, for um, sure. A lot of these games that from from anime struggle with that same thing of making a compelling story that is original and does not take from its source material too much and does bring in a new audience because it's so good. Even Attack on Titan, the first one, which was so good. It's because of its gameplay. It's the same exact story from the show. I would love to see this game break that mold and try an original story that, yes, borrows from arcs, that happen as the world of Dragon Ball Z progresses, but you're almost like a parallel going along it in your own path, not just getting involved like, oh, here's Goku fighting Frieza, and and this is how you got involved in that. It's like, no. Right. Let's put them in the world of Dragon Ball Z so the characters are there. We're going to go, not back on our word a little bit, but find a good part in the timeline where it makes some sense to pull from these various arcs. Maybe make it after... All this would be really interesting is is if after this, I mean, that's pretty much what Super is, but after all this, there's like a little space. We put ourselves there, and it's like now there's a new story happening, and, and they're filling in that blank. That They have to take that approach with this because they're saying in the world of Dragon Ball Z, and, and since Super already happened, you, you can't really um, 
you have to now take the approach that, for example, the Assassin's Creed team took with yeah. Legacy of the Blade. It sucks, which is the only concerning aspect about it. But if they say we're on the Dragon Ball Z and they mean just we're using their the characters from that part of the universe and not the characters from Super, which are largely the same outside of some, then that's another story. That that would be interesting to see what they build with that. But um, let's see. Anything else Dragon Ball related? No, it was just the game, uh, Jiren, and the open world title. So that's all we have for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. Carrick. Thank you once again for joining me on... Yeah, it was a blast. A, a great episode. Yeah, man. Really long discussion here. We're just near in two hours. So we thank you, the listener, for taking the time to make us a part of your Sunday or Friday or Saturday if you are a patron. And um, we'll catch you guys in next week's episode 187. Peace out. Peace out.